Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to our Bible in a Year podcast. Uh, today we're looking at the book of Leviticus, an Old Testament book, uh, heavily about practices and some some things that maybe you don't think about reading about. So it should be an interesting book. And today I'm joined by your very own Kelly. Kelly, welcome to the, the episode. Hi, I'm Kelly Lane, and I'm the church secretary, and somehow I got involved in doing Leviticus today. So, interesting book. It was in the fine print, you know, the little star at the bottom of your contract. We'll do Leviticus. Yes, So exactly. That's how we got her. So before we start off, it's important to kind of talk about some of the, the historical context of Leviticus. Uh, as you may or may not know, it's written by Moses. Uh, it's actually part of what we call the Torah, and it's the first five books of the Bible. Moses writes all of these books, and it covers uh, from the creation story to God's people in exile and some of these, uh, well, church practices and priesthood uh, sorts of things. So that's pretty much what uh, the, the, the book of Leviticus is going to cover. Uh, I often like to include uh, rulers when I'm when we do these podcasts, but in terms of Leviticus, uh, rulers isn't really all that important because if you remember in Exodus, God's people are are brought out of Egypt. At this point, they're kind of a sovereign nation wandering. So uh, rulers really they're they're not all that important. We have Moses; he's kind of the, the leader, but I wouldn't really call him king or a ruler. God would be the closest thing we have to a ruler right now. Uh, and then in terms of historical context. As I just got done saying, it's God's people being brought out. They've spent their time in Egypt as slaves. They get brought out of Egypt. Now they're they're in wandering. And if you remember at the end of Egypt, uh, they start to slip. They start to, to fall into some different sins as they'll continue to do it, as God's people tend to do. But uh, toward the end of it, Moses goes up on the mountain to get the commandments and they, they make their golden calf. And at this point, God realizes they need some some further stringent guidelines. They need priests. They need to have ways of, of cleansing their sins. Um, so that's what Leviticus is. It's it's a very detailed account of priesthood, of, of priestly practices, how to become uh, atoned for your sins and, and sacrifices and things like that. And it also covers a little bit about uh, just overall holiness for God's people, how they need to be set apart and an example in their world. Uh, Kelly, did anything stand out to you? Wow, a lot actually did. There's just so much in this. Um, a lot of it not very pretty, or yeah. a lot of it just doesn't even seem relevant to today. Um, yeah, just a lot of the practices that were outlined and the rules that they had to keep. Just yeah, you don't come to church on Sundays and see me and Pastor Kale, you know, like splitting a goat open or any of that stuff, burning up the blood and stuff. I mean, maybe it'd be an interesting church service if we did it once, but I don't think people would be coming back for that. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> but you're right. I, I found it, uh, you know, for you listening, if you've listened before, uh, we always do our five main takeaways at the end, things for the listener to kind of take away from reading this book. And you're right. When you read through Leviticus, it can be difficult to understand why you're even reading it because obviously we're not looking for ways to cure our, our skin uh, illnesses as they'll talk about uncleanliness you go to the doctor for that a purification of these different sins well we have Christ so obviously we're not splitting goats and doing burnt offerings and things like that either so it can be difficult to, to understand the value of this book but obviously 
you know, what is nice is you can read through this and, and see not only are our sins atoned for, but now we don't have to worry about splitting goats and doing burnt offerings. Yes, yes. And that I'm very happy for. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if we want to just pick some of these things to specifically yeah. talk about or um, where we want to go with it. I feel like it's a lot maybe of repetition, too, or a lot of these rules, I guess, were designed to make the people holy um, mm -hmm. and to to be worthy of being in God's presence. God wanted to be with his people. God is holy and he wants his people to be holy. They're not. So here's some rules to make them holy so that he can come down and be with us or be with them. And yeah, that's a good. I think what we're going to keep saying is that we're very thankful that we don't have to follow these <laughs> rules today and that Jesus atoned for our sins. Yeah. Yep. Your previous point there I found interesting. I actually had noted it as well that uh, it's interesting God gives these rules to his people. He, you know, they need to be holy. He wants them to be holy. He wants to be in their presence. And it speaks volumes to the fact that we have a God who is willing to take the time to you know, really drill down on what needs to be done. He doesn't leave it open. He says, okay, guys, come on. I've given you all of these things. This is how I can be with you. Just, just do it. I, I give you step one to 100. Just follow these guidelines because he wants to be there. He yeah. wants to be in presence and in communion with his people. It's not like he, he wants them to just kind of wander off. Right. Yeah. Agreed. But like you said, it is nice that, you know, we can connect the fact that we have this loving God who wants to be with us to the atonement of Christ. So now we get a God who gets to be with us or who wants to be with us. And we don't have to worry about all these things. We have the atonement of Christ on us instead of the atonement of these sort of temporary things. Yes. Yes. I think some of the things, too... Um are helpful in today's society as well, though. Like they, they took care of the poor. Mm -hmm. um, there were, you know, like leave. When it came to harvesting your fields, you were supposed to leave the leftovers for people that needed that. Um, near the end of Leviticus, they talk about the Jubilee, the year of the Jubilee, where people could earn back their land, um, or maybe not earn, but get their, their land back. So he definitely provides for ways that we're cared about too. And that's what we need to remember in today's society is that we need to take care of others and take care of our family and, um, do, and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, completely. For those of you reading, when, when you read through this, the, uh, the first 15 or so chapters is going to be primarily that, uh, that priesthood practice. It's going to be a lot of sacrifices, burnt offerings, how priests need to portray themselves, how they need to act. It's actually after 15 going forward, so 16 to, to the end of the chapter, they cover more what uh, what you were talking about, Kelly, and that's um, how we should act. You know, that that's some of the stuff that gives us our takeaways. It gives us 
God wants his people to be holy. He wants them to be set apart. He wants them to act in a way that is worthy of his presence. And obviously, if we think about any way that is worthy of God's presence, it's the right way to live. God gives us the right ways to live, and then you see it here in terms of taking care of your fellow brother and sister in Christ. You know, doing these things that God would do for us, that he has done for us, and then sharing it with one another. So as you're reading, when you hit uh, hit 16 and on, kind of keep that in mind that that uh, you know very well. This those kind of things are, are written to us today too, and in some of it, obviously there there is still burnt offerings and things like that, which I'm not demanding all of Zion or those of you listening to go do burnt offerings, but you can take away some of these things in terms of living well with one another. Yes. Yes. I think one of the things that stood out to me too, like in the first part of the, the, the book, they talk about, like you said, the, the, what the priest is responsible for and, and their rules and everything they had to do and, and where, and, um, the, I think it stood out to me when Aaron's children, the two, mm-hmm. two of his sons were killed because yep. of not doing things the proper way. Yeah, I feel like as as a reader, although this is like a, a historical account, it, it can be interesting to see the sort of changes in the story. I mean, it as I read scripture, sometimes it feels like I'm reading a book or, or you know a novel or watching a movie where you expect something to go in a certain direction. And when we get his sons, the people you think would be following along the right way, die, it's like a complete right turn to what you think should happen or would happen. And it kind of baffles you, but it also shows nobody's perfect. You know, although he's got it going, his sons, they slip up and they pay the price for it, unfortunately. But it really shows that that even the priests and even the ones that, that we think have it all together, they need salvation just as much as the lowest of the group here of God's people. And even Moses, in fact, will get that when he doesn't get to come into the land that is promised his people. Yeah, there's rules for them too. And that, and when they break them, there's a punishment for that, that God expects them to, to not create their own rules and not go rogue and do their own thing, that he has these things in place for a reason. Um, yeah, you mentioned a, a TV show or a book or something like that. This is... Like, I feel like this is what today's Netflix shows are created from, like, stories that happen in this book are just, yeah. just Especially Leviticus. Lot. If you made this into a show, I bet people would eat it up because it's got all the, I mean, the shock factor alone yes. from this one would be, like, you'd have all the, the shock junkies wanting to watch this. Exactly. Did you see yesterday's episode when they burnt that goat? It was crazy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know about you, but as I was reading through this, I kind of, uh, my mind started to wander toward, you know, obviously if we're, we're looking forward to Easter and things like that. And I found myself uh, kind of getting fixated on the priests here and then the church leaders in Jesus' time. You just said they, they're not supposed to be making their own rules. They're supposed to be following God's commands and they got punishments. That's exactly what happens when we get the priests in Jesus' time. They've gone rogue. They've started making their own rules, and now they're no longer doing what 
God had told them to do. They they tasted that power because, to be honest, as you'll read through here, these priests, they, they're giving a, given a great amount of power. People need them to be able to come to God. Mm-hmm. They need them to be able to get this atonement. They need these priests to, to do things. So, you know, sinful nature, if you're the if you're the guy, it can be easier to let that go to your head. And that's what we get in Jesus' time, these priests who know they're important, they know they're needed, and they can charge a fee for it. And before long, the padded pockets start to get even more padded, and they start to make their own rules, and things slide. Yep. Which is why, you know, obviously Jesus comes in the end and has to make that final sacrifice or, or offering on our behalf. But I just could when I was thinking about the priests, I couldn't help but think about them as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, that's another point that I th- think should be brought up, too, is how the priests were taken care of. Like, they weren't giving given part of the land, or they weren't given what the other 11 tribes were given um, by God, but they were um, separated and told to do what they did, and then they would be taken care of by the other people, the other groups. And I think that's important in how we treat our pastors today even. how they work for the church and we bring offerings to the church and and we we provide for their living and I don't know I kind of just thought of that that it was yeah it, very it, similar it's interesting you bring that up because I I kind of read it and and you know you're you're taking kind of the warning or the the teaching of of caring for your church and caring for those who care for you from a spiritual sense and as I was reading it, I read it as almost a warning of, uh, you know, from a church standpoint, don't demand things. God didn't say, priests, go demand things from the 11 nations. You know, he didn't say, they're going to pad your pockets and do these things. It's, right. you're going to care for them, and they'll care for you, and you that's you got to accept that. God will take care of you in the way that he sees fit. And that's kind of, it's, it's interesting that you had brought out this, the standpoint of the, the sort of church, because obviously being a vicar and hopefully being a pastor, I, I kind of read it in terms of, of a warning for how you could be, you know, how you could get swayed in a different direction or how you could fall in a sinful manner. So it's interesting that you brought that up. There's a warning in two sides there. Yeah. Because I feel like there, I feel like it, it, it it's not a far-fetched idea to, to think that, you know, it can be easy to start thinking of demands and things like that. I mean, because although this is a ministry, it's it's, it's a job. We, we talk about it sometimes in the office. It's, you know, it's your vocation. And sometimes it can be easy to feel like you, you have demands for that. But really, this office is a service office. It's not a come in and demand your 401k and your mortgage and everything else. It's, I'm here to serve. And then how God chooses to take care of me, that's what I will accept. Yep. Anything else stand out to you, Kelly? Oh, let's see. Let me look through here. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think one thing to keep in mind, too, as we read through this, it's really harsh, and it deals with some topics that are, uh, you know, just things that we don't want to talk about necessarily every day or any day. Um, and, like, one that isn't so bad, but one of the topics is the cleanliness and, the, like, the leprosy or the skin diseases that people have and how to treat that. And I think that we have to look at all, like all of these things that are explained in Leviticus kind of maybe in a way of, of that, that God is good and that his character is good and all these things are in place so that we can um, grow closer to God and know God and be taken care of by God and that um, they're for our good, mm-hmm. ultimately, even though it's sometimes hard to understand why they did that or, you know, maybe some of the rules about women or some of the things that they mentioned about women that we have to realize that God loved everybody. He loved both men and women, and he wants good for all of us, and he um, gives us plenty of examples of that, I think, in this book and throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, of course, mm-hmm. that he's a good, caring God. Yeah, and, and uh, to kind of piggyback off that, I noticed also, and you kind of mentioned this, he's not only a good, caring God in terms of you know wanting to be with us or for our spiritual well-being, he's an all-encompassing good, caring God. You just said leprosy and skin disease and some of the other less savory topics that will come up in in Leviticus. But, uh, you know, he cares for us in every aspect of of the way that we're we're made. I mean, he made us, he knows how we need to be cared for, and he's going to take care of that. We get later in the New Testament, you know, he cares for the birds of the field and the fish of the sea. How much more is he going to care for us? Well, all around, he's going to care for us. That's That's good news. We have the all-powerful, all-loving God with his hand on the wheel. Yes. Yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> that it is. I know that when I try and take control, things start to veer off path. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I and mean, one of the, the harsh topics is the um, child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's brought up, and but of course God doesn't want that. Yeah, we get child sacrifice, all the different sort of uh, you know, sexual immorality acts and things like that. I mean, it, you got to remember also that in the Old Testament, it, God's people are, are holier. In other way, they're set apart, and the world they're living in is kind of your your daily things. Sexual immorality is kind of yeah. you know we in church or or in even other uh, podcasts. We talk about the other gods that are existing at this time. Many of them, child sacrifices are a good way to get your God's favor. Mm-hmm. Sexual immorality is a good way to get your God's favor. So you know, God's people are countercultural. They're revolutionary. And even if they are revolutionary following this God, it can be easy to say, the whole world's doing this, and, and maybe I was doing it years ago. Maybe I should try it again. You know, maybe maybe... I'll get what I want if I just go back and do those things. And I don't think it's all that far-fetched. I think oftentimes we find ourselves doing the same things where, 
even if you're a lifelong Christian, you look around the world and see people who aren't Christian, aren't believers, and they're succeeding, and you might say, well, maybe I can step on one or two of my neighbors to, to climb the ranks. It's working for them. It could probably work for me, too. It's a slippery slope. Yep. Agreed. Yes. Well, anything else before we go on to our, yeah. our main takeaways? Yeah, I think that's most of, yep, that's good. Perfect. All right, so for our five main takeaways uh, for Leviticus, the first one I have is, is God cares and he teaches. And we see here that, that God, he brought his people out. He cares for them and he cares for them so much that he's willing to, you know, spoon feed them what they need to be doing so that he can be with them. He cares about them and he teaches them the ways in which they need to act. Uh, second, we have a God who wants us. How much more clear can it be? He, he takes the time to bring them out of slavery. He's patient with them when they slip up over and over and over again. And then he goes on to very distinctly teach them how to act just so he can be with them, just so he can be in their presence. Uh, three, know your faith. You know, we just got done saying that culture can be a dangerous thing. It's dangerous to sometimes fall into the traps of, of life, to be honest. And, and it's important to know your faith and know your God and act like those things matter to you. Uh, four, we've been given the ultimate atonement. As you read through Leviticus, you'll see all sorts of different acts that God's people can, can uh, partake in in order to atone for their sins. They're all temporary. You know, you might burn, do a burnt offering one day, commit the same sin and come back and do a burnt offering the next day. With us today, we know that Christ atones for our sins. He died for our sins as we're going to celebrate Easter coming up. And we have a God who now we can confess those sins to. And with our faith, we know that we don't need to go do burnt offerings. We can simply confess and be absolved. And then lastly, cherish the cost. You know, sometimes it can be easy to kind of think, oh, well, those sins I commit in my head and my heart that nobody knows, they're, they don't hurt anybody, so there's not a cost to it. But remember, there is a cost. It's just that it was paid long ago, and it was a hefty cost, and it was a precious cost. It was on the cross. And you need to remember that when, when those sins start to creep in, that there's always a cost to those sins. Well, uh, listener, I hope Leviticus was uh, was will be as enriching as it was for myself and Kelly. Kelly, thanks for for stopping in. Sorry to spring it on you. It's all good. God's blessings, everybody.